are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. So the first passage we read this evening says that Moses ran away because he was afraid. The second passage, it says that Moses, he was afraid, he ran away, and, and 40 years passed by. And 40 years was simply summed up in that he got married and he had two sons. But in the third passage you read, it says that Moses, by faith, fled Egypt, right? It says that he, by faith he fled and he persevered because he saw God. And all of that is in regards to the same story. So uh, this evening, I just want to talk about just waiting on God. Just a season of waiting, season of, of trusting Him in the unseen things. So let's pray together. Uh, we'll jump into the Word. Father, I just thank you once again for this evening. I thank you for GCC. I thank you for the leaders. I thank you for uh, the brothers and sisters uh, of this congregation, of this church. God, we thank you for the new season ahead. God, a season of harvest they've been sowing for years, and we believe that a harvest is coming. And Lord, this evening, I thank you for all that are gathered here tonight, that, that all of us are here because you want to speak to us personally, specifically in the place that we're at. And Lord, we say that our ears are open, our hearts are open. Holy Spirit, have your way. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Saying I love you is in a relationship is a huge milestone. Amen. Are you guys with me? Right? Saying I oh yeah, okay. Saying I love you in a romantic relationship is a huge milestone. It, it's very important. Usually, oftentimes the guy is the one to to say it first. Uh, but what I've come to know about that phrase, I love you, in a romantic situation is uh, just as important as who says it or or how it's said or what's said. Is actually when you say it. Right? When you say it is just as important as what you're saying. Because if you say it too soon, you're a creep, right? Like you say it like on the first day, it's like, yo, listen, baby girl. Like that's not how I talk, but this is just my imagination. Like, yo, listen, baby girl. It's like, yeah, you found out what you want to order. I love you. It's like, what? Just run away, you know? Like, too soon, too soon. But then if you say it too late, it's kind of off as well because it's like, what took you so long to say those words? Timing is very important. I think in general, timing is, is underrated, but it's one of the most important things in life because there's a difference between good timing and bad timing. Timing makes all the difference in a variety of ways, even in sports. Right? If you follow basketball, basketball season's coming soon. It doesn't matter if you make the, the game-winning shot if the time runs out, it, then it's not game winning. Like you can make the nicest shot, it could be a swish, it could you know, be in slow-mo because it's so nice like in real time. But if the time runs out, it's pointless because timing matters. I think oftentimes for us in the church or believers, it's one thing for us to understand our identity, you know, who we are in God. And it's another thing for us to understand our purpose, our, our what, our why, what drives us. But I think just as important is the timing of God, it's the when of God. It's just as important as who we are in God and what He has called us to do and why we do what we do. We need to understand the when of God as well. His timing of, of, of what He wants to do, when He wants to do it. And the thing about God's timing, His timetable, is that it's so different than ours. 
I mean, God Himself created time, so He exists outside of time. So His timetable is, is, doesn't match ours and our expectations. And I believe, especially in our time, in our generation, it's, it's even um, more tempting to be frustrated because of, of, of social media and seeing what other people are experiencing and going through themselves. Now, one of the questions that I, I often get asked as, as an eligible bachelor, you know, amen, right? That, that's, that's why I get the soap, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, like, I need prayer and the soap. But the question I get asked is, you know, when do you want to get married? And, and my answer is five years ago, you know? But, but, but in all seriousness, oftentimes when we compare ourselves to other people's stories and their Instagram and what's going on in their lives, that, that all of our friends are... are, are getting married or having babies or getting promoted or, or going on this trip or this vacation, all these different things. We wonder, what about me? You know, when will my time come? When, when will I get to shine or do those things that I've been wanting to do? And oftentimes we feel like we are behind schedule. Right? How many of you guys have felt that before? That we are not as far, as long, far along as we should be or need to be. But I would want to say to you tonight that that's a lie. Amen? Amen. Because compared to who? I mean, compared to who are you so far behind? Compared to who are you not there yet? Because the reality is, is that your story is unique to God. I mean, you can't compare and say, I'm, I'm far behind, I'm lagging behind, because the reality and the truth is, you haven't happened yet, amen? Like, your story hasn't unfolded in the way that God wants it to, because His timetable is oftentimes different than ours and the people around us. There's pressure for us to succeed and be further along than we are. But, but God is in control. At the end of your life, God's not going to judge you based on how you did compare to other people. But simply based on the faithfulness of what He has in store for you and what He's doing in your life. I want you to know that God hasn't passed you by. He hasn't forgotten you. But He's with you. He's right on time. I want you to know that God has never missed his appointment when it comes to a person's life. He's always on time. It might not feel that way, but God is never late. Now imagine what it's like to be Moses in this season of his life. When he grows up, I, I think it's, it's you know, not a stretch to say that Moses' life is set apart, right? I mean, people, uh, his, his peers are getting murdered. Young boys are being killed. But Moses is spared. He grows up in a privileged way. There's favor on his life. And he grows up as an Israelite in the house of an Egyptian because God has a plan and purpose for his life. Now, in the scripture we read this evening, it seems like Moses understands that he has a purpose on his life. He seems to understand that, that he has been called to be the liberator of his people. Right? And Acts in Acts chapter 7, it says that Moses wanted to step up, take control, take charge of the destiny that he believed he had. So he killed an Egyptian. He tried to mediate between two, two of his brothers. But all of them said, you know, who do you think you are? And in that moment, the Bible says that Moses ran away in fear of, of what would happen to him. He ran away to a desert, and the Bible says that he was there for 40 years. But can you imagine being in the desert for 40 years? And on all, that whole season is simply summed up with one sentence, that he was a foreigner, he got married, and he had two kids. Right? That's how the Bible describes his 40 years. He was a foreigner, got married, and had a couple kids. That's it. It's not like God is speaking to him daily. God is preparing him for what's up ahead. I feel like in this part of Moses' story, I bet he thought that it was over. 
that the best wasn't yet to come. That he messed up, he was afraid, he somehow disqualified himself from the purpose of God. That he found himself a fugitive, he found himself a foreigner, he found himself in a place that he didn't want to be because he had no other choice. And 40 years just flew by. I wonder if Moses had any idea of what actually was prepared for him. I mean, I wonder what he thought, like year one, like, oh, maybe there's a chance of redemption. But by year 39, you're like, nah, this, this is my life. You know, desert for life, you know? But I wonder if he had any idea of what, what was in store for him. And I believe that when Moses was a young man, you know, trying to prove himself in Egypt before he ran away, before he, he tried to, you know, mediate and do all these things, I bet he had wild dreams, big dreams, because he understood there was a purpose. He understood his identity. He understood his purpose, but yet he didn't understand the when of God. I wonder if Moses knew that, that what God actually had for him would exceed his greatest and biggest and wildest dreams. I mean, did Moses have any idea that he would encounter a burning bush? I mean, did Moses have any idea in those 40 years in the desert that he would walk across the Red Sea? That he would see God face to face, that he would be known as a face to face friend of God, a face to face lover of God. I bet he did it. I bet he thought this was my lot forever. Sometimes God lead, just leads us to a season of waiting, just to wait. He wants us to wait because ultimately he's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. Right? He's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And I feel like Moses in that time didn't know what was up ahead. Right? Because there's no clue that, that the best was around the corner, right? Like as a fugitive, as a foreigner, he, there was no sign in the desert that something was about to change until he had that encounter. But that was still 40 years later. Still 40 years later. Now, what would an outsider view Moses' life during that season? I bet they would have thought, man, he had so much potential. Man, if I got to grow up in Pharaoh's house like Moses, man, I wouldn't have ended up like him. Man, what a waste of privilege. What a waste of, of, of blessings. Man, he, it's over. He's a fugitive. He's a foreigner. You know, he's like one of those guys that you talk about, like, oh, remember that guy? I wonder what he's doing. I, want, I bet outsiders thought that Moses had failed and that his story was over. But in, in, in all of those different situations and circumstances, I want you to know that God is always writing a greater story for you. That the waiting, the suffering, the process is part of what enables you to be faithful to what he wants for you. Because this is what I believe with all my heart, is that God wants to bless you, amen? That every single one of you, God wants to bless you not just for you, not for comfort, but so that you could be a blessing. But this is what Pastor Bill Johnson says from Redding, California. He says that every blessing from God has the potential to shape the course of history or become a golden calf. But we need the character to be able to sustain what he wants to give us. And oftentimes it's the waiting that prepares you. It's the waiting that, that the process that allows you to enter into the promised well. I believe that there are people in here that have been waiting on God to move in certain circumstances, maybe with family, maybe with promises, maybe even for the church. And you've been waiting a long time, but I want you to know that God will bring it to birth at its proper time. Because here's the thing about things that are born outside of time, things that are born prematurely, is that they need to be sustained by artificial life. 
I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but I believe what God wants to do is to birth something in you that has the strength to be able to sustain for the long run. But the longer the destination, the, the, the greater the destination, the longer the gestation, right? The longer that process, that period is, because He's wanting you to be able to steward well the blessings that He wants to give you, that He has already prepared for you. And oftentimes the temptation is to shortcut the process because we feel like it's been 40 years in the desert. But I want you to know that God is, hasn't forgotten you. He's writing that greater story, that this part of waiting, this part of, of trusting, of suffering, is part of, of, of the story that He has prepared for you. Right? Those moments of suffering, of waiting, is actually what prepares you to be the son and daughter that God wants you to be. Right? It's the waiting, that suffering is what teaches you how to be a child of a good father. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered. But Jesus himself learned how to be a son by what he suffered. I want you to know that Jesus suffered before the cross. Amen? But this passage isn't talking about Jesus suffering on the cross because that means he only learned how to be a son when he was on the cross. He learned obedience. He learned sonship. He learned how to be a child through that which he suffered. Now, one of the fruits of the Spirit in the King James versions is long-suffering. It's an old-school word. We don't use it anymore because it's the worst word in the English language, right? It's like two words that we both hate combined into one. Like, I hate things that are long. You know what I mean? Like, you know when you have your cell phone and, and, and for some reason, it's like spiritual warfare. It slips into 3G. Like, what? Why is it in 3G? And you're trying to just open Instagram, but it's like taking so long. Like, I'm like praying in tongues. Like, what is this warfare? Because I need to wait 10 more seconds just to see this photo. Like, we hate things that take too long. Now, imagine the word suffering as well. Like, what? Who likes suffering? But to combine long and suffering to make long suffering like, Lord, why is that a fruit of the Spirit? But I mean, that long suffering is the key of what teaches us how to be a son. And I think that's what Jesus had to suffer, is that long suffering, waiting on the Father's timetable. Now we all know that Jesus is God, amen? That He's fully God, He's fully man. Philippians chapter 2, though He was God, He did not consider Himself, and, and He came and humbled Himself as a man. He laid down His, his div, the divinity to come as a man, but yet He's fully God. Now if anyone on this earth to have ever lived had the right to be original and do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, it was Jesus, right? Like if anyone had the right, the power, the brilliance, the ability to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, it was Jesus. But this is what Jesus said about what he does. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father speaking. Though he, he was God himself, he chose to lay that down and wait on God's timetable. Now what's it like to be fully God? Like you have the ability and the power to make a difference wherever you go, but yet you're waiting 30 years until God says, now is the time. Right? Now is the time for you to show up and be who you're meant to be. Right? Jesus knew his identity. Jesus knew his purpose. But he also knew the when of God, the timing of God. You ever read the story of Jesus being tempted in the desert by, the, by Satan? It's not like Jesus is being tempted to do bad things. Are you with me? The devil's like, yo, Jesus, check out that Hebrew girl over there. You know what I mean? Like, nah. Like, like Jesus, go. You want to covet that new Torah that your friend has. You know what I mean? Like, no. Jesus isn't tempted to necessarily sin or do bad things. But yet, what's the temptation? Now, what makes a sin? 
It's simply doing things outside of the Father's time. Because if you look at it, Jesus did come to turn rocks into bread, to feed the masses, and He does it. Jesus has come to be lifted up, right? Saying, says, throw yourself off this cliff to reveal yourself, to reveal your sonship, to reveal your true identity so that you could be lifted up. And Jesus says, no, because it's not yet the timing. And lastly, Satan says, if you worship me, I'll give you all the authority. I'll give you every kingdom. It's yours. I mean, Jesus has come to, to win all that. Amen? Jesus does all those things. So what made it a temptation, what made it sin, would have been Jesus trying to take control of his own destiny according to his own timetable. But he's willing to trust God, to willing to suffer on the waiting of the Lord. It's like, Lord, Father, is it time yet? I mean, oftentimes waiting is the hardest thing to do. And Jesus is there wrestling, fighting, just waiting for the Father's timing. Because he understood that God's timing, his, his waiting is so different than ours. Jesus lives at what I like to call at the speed of God. Jesus lives at the speed of God. Not willing to go ahead of the Father or lagging behind, but in step with the Father. He walks in step with the Father. So he's, he's not tempted to do bad things, but simply outside of, of God's time to move ahead of him. And for all of us, it's not easy, amen, to wait on the Lord. And I think it's, it's, it's especially because God takes a long time to act suddenly. When we see it throughout scripture, Abraham, God doesn't call Abraham when he's in his 20s, but when he's 75. And then yet he waits another 25 years. Right, Joseph, he's called at 17, but it's not until his late 30s that he sees the dreams come true. Same with David, he's anointed. Same with even the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's centuries in between. And last but not least, Jesus himself has said, I'm coming back soon. Right, God's definition of soon is different than ours, amen? I'm coming back soon. He's like, oh, yes, Lord, we're waiting. <laughs> Because his timing is different than ours. He takes a long time to act suddenly. But like I said, as you wait on God, he's working in you. Waiting isn't glamorous, it isn't fruitful, but oftentimes the most vital season you will ever go through. This is the most vital season you will go through. It's what I like to call the divine intermission. And Moses lives 40 years in, in, in Egypt being groomed to rule and be a leader. And then the next 40 years is simply summed up in one sentence. All of that to prepare him for the next 40 years where he would be the greatest leader Israel has ever known. That's why even the prophetic word that Moses speaks about Jesus who is to come is to think a prophet like me would come and he would be the Savior. Right? Moses is doing that because he endured that season of 40 years of waiting. Of simply saying he just got married and had two sons, that's it. I want you to know that sometimes that we want an explanation. God, what am I waiting for? What exactly are you building within me? We want efficiency. We want effectiveness. But God just wants obedience. He just wants us to trust Him in the waiting. Not waiting for, for a change. Not waiting for a breakthrough. But just waiting on the one we love. We're waiting on the one that we love because He's wanting us to wait. He just wants us to say yes even if it's waiting. We see later in Moses' life when the Israelites finally make it out of Egypt and, and God just wants them to wait. He doesn't give a reason. He doesn't give a purpose. And Moses goes up for 40 days to just simply be with God. No other reason needed. 
But this is what the Israelites do as they're waiting. Those who haven't been trained in how to wait on God. It's like, yo, Moses is never coming back. Let's build a golden calf. This is our God. I mean, that's what happens. It's not 40 years. It's 40 days. And they already lose patience and decide to build a golden calf. Because we want an explanation. We want, to, we want something now. We want to know that it's effective, that it's efficient. But sometimes God just wants us to wait, to wait. God is wanting all of you in this place this evening that you would become the man and woman that learns how to wait upon the Lord because he is faithful, because he's, he is with you. Don't underestimate the waiting and obedience in this time in your life, even if it seems like nothing is happening. Even when it seems like nothing is happening, just wait on the Lord, trust him. Right later, we see in the book of Joshua where Moses has died now. His, his successor has risen up. They've crossed the Jordan River. They've, they've made it into the promised land. But the first challenge they face is, is the walls of Jericho to take the city. And their strategy is simply this. I want you to march around the city for seven days. For seven days. So can you imagine what, what the soldiers in, in, in Israel are thinking? It's like, yo, we got this. We, we crossed two rivers to get here. You know, we, 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 we got this. Joshua says, we just, we just got to take the city. So they march a whole day and nothing happens. The Bible says they marched for six full days and saw nothing happen. Now, if, if it's me, I would want to see some kind of progress along the way. Are you with me? Right? Like every day I march around the wall, I want to see like one seventh of the bricks fall down. It's like, oh shoot, we're making progress. It's working. I mean, that's kind of why I hate exercise. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to see the progress. Like forget six pack. Let me just see one pack at a time. Then I'll continue. You know? Just show me some kind of progress. But they're just waiting on the Lord, obeying God, marching around the city without seeing any change, anything happening. Because this here's the thing, is that even if progress isn't obvious, keep moving in the direction of obedience. Right? Even if progress isn't obvious, keep moving in the direction of obedience. Because God is writing that bigger story in the waiting, in the trusting, in the suffering, of, of, of when God would give you that green light. But when God would say, now is the time. Now, now is your moment. But for now, just wait on me. Trust me. I'm doing something, even if it feels like I'm not there. Even if you're a foreigner and a fugitive, and you've been waiting a long time. And like I said earlier, your biggest and wildest dreams that you ever had about being used by God, seeing, seeing people in your family be saved, seeing these churches be filled, all of these dreams I want you to know still aren't as big as what God actually has for you. That the craziest, wildest dreams that you've had, that you've dreamt about in those moments where you're saying, God, I, I know you're there. He's given you promises. He's given you words, dreams. And you're not seeing it. If anything, you're seeing things go in the opposite direction. What God actually has in store for you is beyond what you can even imagine. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. The good things that God has prepared for those who love Him. He's preparing you for what He has prepared for you. He hasn't passed you by. He hasn't forgotten you. But that's the faithfulness of God. That He knows what He's doing. That even when he speaks promises, when he speaks prophetic things, because God exists outside of time, he speaks it from a place where it's already happened. 
So He's speaking to us, encouraging us to say, keep trusting me, keep waiting on me because this is for your good. Because this is for your good. As you wait, once again, going back to this passage, like we said, there's Moses' vantage point based on the season that he screwed up, he failed. It's over. He's afraid. And then there's other people's perspective of, ah, oh, yeah, who, whatever happened to that guy? Nothing spectacular, nothing special. But then the last and most important perspective is God. Hebrews, I mean, that's basically God's perspective on the story he's writing for Moses. When Moses runs away in, in fear because of his own life being threatened, God's like, yo, that's faith to me. It's like, well, how? Like, Lord, how is that faith? You know that passage where, where Sarah and, and Abraham, before they're Sarah and Abraham, they're 99 years old. God comes to them and renews the covenant and he tells Sarah, next year you're, you're, you're going to have a child. And the Bible says that she laughs. Like, can you imagine laughing at the face of God? And God's like, why'd you laugh? She's like, I, I did it. <laughs> He's like, but I'm God. He's like, you're right, I did laugh, my bad. You know? But in that same chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Sarah was a woman of faith. That whenever God spoke to her, she believed it with all of her heart. Like, that's not what it says, you know? Like, even in Hebrews, it talks about how Moses is willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. Like, I don't know what kind of hermeneutics and exegesis God is using, but I didn't see that in the text. Are you with me? It's like Moses wanted to suffer with Christ. It's like, no, I don't think so. He was just afraid. He didn't want to die. He was getting judged, so he was a fugitive on the run. But that's how good God is, is that in Him, He redeems our failures and makes it faith. That He renews our past to say that you are faithful. I'm with you. I haven't forgotten you. And it even says that Moses persevered. I don't think he persevered. I think he just was trying to survive the 40 years. But the Bible says that he persevered because he saw the invisible. Like, how do you see the invisible? It doesn't matter. God says he saw, right? Like, he saw the invisible and he persevered. But all he did, right, is he just survived 40 years as a foreigner, as a fugitive. Had, 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 had a couple kids, got married. The end, period. But in this story that God is writing, I want you to know He's writing it different than what we think, than what we feel. Because He's preparing us for faith, for dreams and destinies and promises that He has always had for us. Don't discount the season of waiting. Don't underestimate this trials and the suffering and the waiting. Those moments you're frustrated. God is saying that you're being honest with me. Those moments where you feel like this is the end. God is saying, no, just keep coming to me. Because like I said, God isn't intimidated by our struggles, by our doubts. Did you know that doubt isn't the antithesis of faith? That doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Unbelief is. I want you to know what actually strengthens faith is doubt. Because it's not saying that I don't believe, it's Lord help me believe. Unbelief is saying I, I choose to not believe, but doubt is part of faith. Because here's the thing, when you doubt and are honest with God, Jesus leads you to an encounter. Look at Thomas, he says, I, I don't believe you until I put my hands through your scars. Right, that's why he's known as Doubting Thomas. But yo, who else had that type of encounter in scripture? Where, like, he got to put his hands through the scars of Jesus because he was honest with his doubts and Jesus took his faith to that next level. 
The enemy wants to, to condemn you because you're doubting. But God wants to strengthen you in that way, in that process. Because He knows what He's doing. He hasn't forgotten. He has promises for this church. I'm just declaring it even now. That the dreams that this church has had, the leaders that have sown for years because of what they believe about Queens, God hasn't forgotten that yet. He hasn't forgotten it. Those moments, those prayers, those worship times, because you believe that this church was being what God wanted it to be, God hasn't forgotten it. Because that's the, 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 the kindness, the, 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 the gentleness, the tenderness of God. Is that He doesn't shame us for our, our, our worst moments, our weakest moments. But He's there to take us deeper, to mold us, to shape us into He wants us to be. Don't quit trusting Him now. Just because it feels like it's taking too long. Just because it feels like you've gone through a couple detours, a couple delays. I want you to know it doesn't mean that you're denied. Delays in the promise of God doesn't mean the denial of His promises. He's preparing you, like I said, for what He has prepared for you. Don't quit. Amen? Don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. He isn't finished with you yet. He hasn't forgotten you. What feels like an ending, what feels like a period, is just a setup for what he was planning to do all along. It's the intermission in your story with God. The Bible says that God isn't man to lie. He isn't man to exaggerate. But every word he says is true. And every word he speaks comes from a place of love. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Even if you're in that place. Even if it feels like it's 40 years plus another 40. God still knows what he's doing. He's always known. And I want to close with this. In Isaiah chapter 40. You don't have to turn there. But this is how the chapter ends. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and this understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord. Other translation says, but those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait on Him, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I'll be honest, I found myself at times when I'm waiting, where I found myself weary. I found myself tired. I found myself weak. I'm like, Lord, how come I'm not, my strength isn't being renewed? How come I'm not soaring on eagles? I'm, I'm being dragged through. And I realized it, be, it was because I wasn't waiting on God. I was waiting on Him to do something. I was waiting on a breakthrough. I was waiting on a change. I was waiting on, 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 on a blessing. And God was reminding me, don't wait on those things. Wait on me. Because at the end of the day, what's going to sustain me isn't the breakthrough, it's God. What's going to sustain me isn't the blessing, it's the blesser. 
It's not the promises, it's the promise giver and the promise fulfiller, God Himself. He's the one who will renew you. He's the one that will carry you. Because you know what? I could be in the desert for the rest of my life, but as long as I know that God is with me, then that's heaven. Because here's the thing about heaven. God isn't in heaven as much as heaven is in God. Because God created the earth and the heavens, so where would He have been if He didn't create it yet? You could be in the desert, you could be in the valley, but as long as you know that He's with you, you'll make it through. It's not the end until He says it's the end. So Father, tonight, this evening, we come together as sons and daughters whom you love deeply. Sons and daughters for whom you have promises and blessings. And God, you're teaching us what it means to be a son. You're teaching us what it means to be a daughter. You're teaching us what it means to be a child of a good father based on the long-suffering, the waiting, the process. God, where you're teaching us how to follow in the way of God, in the timing of God. Lord, we want to be like your son, Jesus. Where we want to live at the speed of God. Lord, that we would choose to die in faith than live in fear and take control of our destiny. God, we would rather die in the desert with you than succeed without you. God, we want to be faithful in this process, in the waiting, because we know that you're not done with us yet. God, may we not be those who judge the author and judge the story based on just one chapter of our lives, because the story isn't done yet. that we would wait on you. And as we wait on you, as we hope in you, that you will renew our strength. That you will renew our strength. That you will carry us. Allow us to arise as our wings like eagles. If that's you this evening, you're just in that season of waiting. Whether you've been waiting 40 minutes, 40 days, 40 years, an eternity. If you're just in that season of waiting, I want to invite you to stand where you're at. And we're just choosing to stand in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our unknowns, because we're believing and saying that God isn't done with me yet. I believe that even now, as you stand, that He is renewing your strength because you're turning your eyes on Him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The Alpha and the Omega, the Captain and the Completer, the one who started our faith and will bring it into completion on the day of Lord Jesus. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He hasn't forgotten you. I even want to say even now that those of you who are waiting, that you are right where, you, where God wants you to be. You are right where He wants you to be. I want you to know that the discomfort you feel in this season is part of being pregnant with the promises of God. He will bring it to full term. No prematurity in the promises and the blessings He has. He's maturing it in the process, in the waiting. So that you just allow God to speak to you, remind you of the promises. that you're not done with us yet. You're not done with us yet, God. 
you're writing the greater story, the bigger picture. Can we choose the way to keep on waiting as long as it takes, as long as you say it's not? But we're waiting on you and you alone. We're not waiting on a change. We're not waiting on a breakthrough. We're not waiting on a miracle as much as we're waiting on you. God, renew the strengths of my brothers and sisters here, God. Even in the mundane things, God, teach us faithfulness. I feel like for some of you, God is teaching you what it means to be mature. But learning how to just be faithful in the tasks before you. And you might be saying, God, I, I thought I was called to preach. God, I thought I was called to to a ministry. God, I thought I was called to marriage or whatever it might be, and you're not seeing the fruit of what you thought would happen by now. But God is teaching you what it means to be a son, a daughter, in the way. Those vows, those promises, those prayers you've prayed, God hasn't forgotten Some of you need to hear right now that you're not disqualified because of your fears. You're not disqualified because maybe of your failures. But the Bible says that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. But as far as the east is from the west, He has removed our transgressions from us. He doesn't just forgive us of our sins, our failures. He forgets them. It's as if it never happened. So Father, we stand before you. Some of us might be fearful, and God, you're calling us faithful. Some of us feel tired, and you're calling us strong. Some of us feel so burnt out. You want to quit, but God is saying, you're steadfast. You have a Father in heaven who's rooting for you, who's cheering you on, who's writing the greater story for your life, greater and bigger than you ever thought possible. That your biggest and wildest dreams are like a speck of sand compared to what God actually has for you. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Can we declare that together? That the best is yet to come. God, in my family, God, in my circumstances, the best is yet to come. In my ministry, God, the best is yet to come. In Queens, in New York, in this region, God, the best is yet to come. At GCC, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, God. listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.